0: Corey Lanza has come to The Antidote for a talk about The Grandfather. Great to have you here, Corey. It's
1: great to be here, Dave.
0: You know, it's unusual for me to speak with a band's bass player, because most of the time it's the vocalist who shows up. But, you know, I guess we all know <laughs> that lead singers are all prima donnas, so <laughs> so it's good to meet <laughs> yeah. with you instead.
1: Yeah, um, our vocalist is pretty tied up most of the time.
0: Well, we've got to talk about bass players because people always tend to stereotype them. You know, they all say that they're tall, they're introverted, and they all wear glasses. Now, does that fit you in any way, Corey?
1: Oh, yeah, I fit all three of those.
0: <laughs> introverted, but here you are talking with me.
1: I mean, I can I can come out of my shell.
0: <laughs> just like that turtle. Just stick the hat out a little bit.
1: Yep, just a little bit.
0: We haven't talked about the other band members. Who's involved in the Grandfather, and how did you guys connect? Uh,
1: Well, there's me, and there's uh, John Luke, our more so uh, rhythm guitarist. Then we have Josh, our more so lead guitarist. And then we have Dylan for vocals. And we currently have Nick on drums. I met... John Luke in 5th grade.
0: 5th grade. And you guys are yeah, just like childhood grade. friends.
1: That's wild. Yep. And I met Dylan in 7th grade and I met Josh about 4 years ago. So it's been some long friendships here.
0: So let me guess, you guys are all in elementary school and you have this really cute little boy band. <laughs>
1: I wish that happened, but it didn't work out that way.
0: We were talking before a bit about stereotypes. You know, the grandfather doesn't fit any mold. And I laughed when I saw that your genre was listed as rock and roll on your Facebook page. I mean, not a chance, (laughs) but how does the grandfather describe your music?
1: Um, yeah, we kind of use rock and roll in a very general loose term. Because we just like to use that just to get people hyped on it. Um, But for a more accurate description, I think it would fall more into like uh, chaotic hardcore. I mean, personally, I feel like this release particularly is more of a dark, doomy, emotional kind of thrashy metalcore release.
0: I don't usually get into a band's influences, but your music really does remind me of, like, the Chariot 68 and the Ongoing Concept, because they all have this chaotic sound of one degree or another, and I guess that would really include the grandfather also.
1: Yeah, uh, we're we're pretty big fans of the Chariot, as well as uh, Under Oath and Norma Jean. Bands like that uh, would probably be the primary uh, influences as far as growing into this uh, sound.
0: The grandfather began in Florida but then took the plunge and moved all the way to North Carolina. But couldn't that have been a career death for the band? You know, with leaving your fan base behind?
1: Oh, yeah. That was primary reason not to move, but we just felt the urge to do it to get into a different uh, environment and a different uh, scene. So even though we left our fan base and the momentum that we'd build up and our jobs and our families and our relationships and all everyone that we knew, we moved up here for the music to better expose it, or so we thought. But it turned out to just help us with writing this release because that's all we primarily focused on once we got up here because we had nothing else to do. And it also really helped us grow more for us individually than it did for the music, which we thought was going to be the forefront.
0: So the move to North Carolina that was really intentionally done to try to expand what the band was able to do, like on the national scene?
1: Um. In the long term, yes. In the short term, we knew that it was going to be very detrimental to leave the momentum that we had just started building up. But we felt it was more important to get out of that environment and put ourselves in a better environment for the music in the long run, even though it would hurt it in the short term.
0: Well, Florida is known for its metal scene. How does North Carolina compare?
1: North Carolina is very interesting comparatively to uh, Florida as far as the scene goes. I mean, we were all pretty involved with the, you know, hardcore punk scene. Like that's the bands that we knew and the friends that we had, the people we hung out with. But there was a lot of negativity and hate that came along with that. That wasn't good and it didn't reside with us very well. And we didn't like being in that place or in that environment. But the scene up here is a lot more segregated. Like, there's a place for indie music, and there's a place for metal music, and there's like a place for metalcore music, and there's a place for like punk music, which is divided into different like towns, different venues. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, sure. Talk about that negative scene that you were finding in Florida. What kind of negativity was coming out? Well, you
1: know, with this type of music, there comes a lot of angst, um, a lot of grief or pain or hate or anger from whatever people have experienced personally. Uh, And they would, you know, carry this with them to, you know, these shows and you know, they'd go there and then they would end up taking it out on other people, to start fights and cause property damage and eventually cause, you know, venues to shut down and shows would be cut short. You know, bands didn't get to play or bands didn't get paid because a fight started during their set and it just created this downhill, you know, spiral, you know, where there's like no venues left to play and nobody likes the bands in that particular genre because, They all come with a bad taste in their mouth. It didn't seem like it was bringing any, any good to anybody.
0: So really, it was like the audience were just using this as an opportunity to vent physically.
1: Yes. It wasn't always the case, but it was enough to make us feel like we needed to move 700 miles away from our families.
0: That must have been tough on a personal level. Was that true for all of the band members? They found that as a bit of a struggle with the move?
1: Yeah, everybody except for the vocalist because his family actually lived up here, but for everyone else it was a move away from family and from you know relationships and from jobs. And it affected each person uh, differently and each person landed on their feet differently. I know for me personally, I had issues that I felt like I needed to walk away from and I needed to get out of that uh, concrete landscape. I needed some new uh, scenery to bring, you know, like a refreshment to my life and to help me change my mindset and get myself in a better place uh, mentally so I could grow better.
0: I want to get into the grandfather's first release. Is it said 1222?
1: Yeah, that's correct. You might be the first person to actually say that correctly the first time.
0: (laughs) I'm curious as to the relevance of the EP title. How did that come about?
1: 1222 was the number of the apartment that whole EP was uh, tracked in. (laughs) And there was a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of um, sentimental value held in that apartment.
0: You said you tracked the album in the apartment.
1: Yep. Tracked
0: it in the apartment. (laughs) And what did the neighbors think of that?
1: (laughs) They didn't like it. Luckily, uh, it was a corner apartment. And so everything was able to be kept to a minimum sound, you know, during the middle of the day, where we locked everything in like the far back closet of the apartment. And put up as many blankets and pillows in that room as possible.
0: (laughs) That's great. Do-it-yourself recording studio. Each of the releases on 1222 were named after months of the year. Was that when you were actually developing the songs?
1: Uh, No, those months symbolize events uh, that happened. I think two of them are kind of open-winded, but... Uh, like mine is uh, February, which is about my uh, stepdad who passed away. It was February two years ago, this past February, and uh, December is about uh, John Luke's uh, relationship that he had, that was you know tearing him apart uh, emotionally and also physically. And July is Dylan's song. I'm not exactly sure what it's about. And then January is Josh's song. And that was about the move that he made um, to Florida when he went to college and how he didn't feel like he fit in with anybody and how he felt um, judged because of that.
0: That must be tough to just reveal yourself so much in your music, especially for the entire band to do so.
1: Yeah, it's, it's very much always been a collaborative effort. You know, there's not one person that really just takes the wheel. It's always been a group effort, and we we all tried to donate as much of us, you know, emotionally into what we were working on. You know, we we wanted to strive for that emotional connection with people because it is honest and doesn't hold back. Really, we just try to be real and speak our truths and hope that people can, you know, relate to it and hope that it helps them in some way.
0: Well, I think that really does show up on 1222. And I mean, it's really an interesting release. I found that each of the songs starts off by bringing up an issue. And by the end of the track, it gives some kind of resolution. Do you usually find an answer to life's problems?
1: Oh, that's kind of a tricky question. I think certain problems have different outcomes, um, different solutions with different timeframes for those solutions. So some problems might have a solution like the next day or a week from then or a month from then, or a year from then. I mean, it all depends on what the issue is and how you go about solving it, I guess. I mean, it's all a matter of time.
0: Meaning that time heals all wounds? Yeah.
1: <laughs> as long as you're striving for that to happen, I believe you'll find it at some point.
0: Do you think sometimes with people that they don't want their problems resolved?
1: Yeah, that's totally possible. Um, I would say that would be relatable to like the people that were at those shows in Florida that just wanted to vent physically to other people. You know, they hold on to things to keep them angry and to keep them upset. And they don't try to uh, seek a resolve, unless it's a a new wound. Um, But if it's an old wound and you just keep, you know, peeling the the scab to reopen it again, I don't think that's an effective way to go about um, trying to heal and, you know, grow yourself.
0: The follow-up to 1222, Tombstone, has music that's quite different from 1222, and the lyrics are more veiled. Was the band looking for a change on that two-song release?
1: To be honest, that was more of just a double-sided single to put out, to hold off on putting out other music that we still wanted to work on. Uh, To explain that more thoroughly, I have to go into a little bit of detail about when we moved up here and started writing, uh, we spent, I think it was like 14 to 16 months writing,
0: and we came up
1: with 18 songs that we worked tirelessly on, um, spent about eight months writing, about six months rewriting, and then took about two months recording. It was a very long process, but... We had 18 songs, or one time we, we sat down and went through all of them, and Tomb and Stone were the two songs that didn't fit in with those other songs, so we separated them out kind of early on, because that was right after the writing process, so that's when we sat down we had just finished putting together 18 songs. So we separated those two, and we went and recorded them and put them out, and then now we have the 16 songs that will be released over this next year. You heard the first five of those.
0: Yeah, because that's the grandfather's new EP, Absent, which came out the middle of March. You know, I sort of enjoy Dark Topics, but this EP has topped everything. I mean, some song titles are named after serial killers. Why did you want to take it down that road?
1: Yeah, all the the songs are named after uh, infamous serial killers, and there's lots of layers to this. Um, The song names are somewhat tied to the lyrical content in the songs, so if you look up the stories of those serial killers, it somewhat relates to what's going on in the, the subject matter in the song. As well as we wanted the tonality of the songs to match the song names, and we thought with the progression of how these releases will go, the song names will progress just like the songs will progress tonality wise,
0: and meaning that the whole band has this obsession with murderers <laughs>
1: <laughs> no we don't we don't want to um We don't want to bring, like, extra attention to these people. Uh, We just wanted to use um, their names to try to symbolize what may have been going through their heads to put them in the place that they're in or make them do the things that they did. Um, Since the EP very heavily dives into mental issues and mental illness, uh, we wanted to try to bring light to those issues, not so much glorify those people at all for what they did or who they chose to be, but maybe try to describe why they did what they did or like why they were who they were.
0: How does the darkness of the EP topics then tie in with the grandfather having Christian members? I mean, I would really think that there are some conservative Christians who would say that faith in God is all that's needed to bring a person out of mental illness.
1: And I wouldn't disagree with that. Um, we we kind of took that approach with putting God more so in the forefront when we did 1222. You know, cause that's something that we all believe in and are, you know, passionate about. And we all share very similar, you know, views in the band. Uh, but we wanted to do something... Uh, different for this release, we wanted, We knew we wanted to do something conceptual and tell a story. Uh, so this story kind of evolved after we got done writing all of the songs. We kind of pieced it together over the time span of several months and it evolved as it went along and turned out into what it is now. So it's a three-part story that will be told through three EPs. And it's just the story of this protagonist, you know, who's suffering from mental illnesses, as you heard in the first EP. And then as it as it goes along, the story, you know, takes a turn. I don't want to ruin it, but, you know, the story has a good ending. We wanted to really hit each one with emphasis. That's why we separated them. Instead of releasing it all on one CD, you know, that'd be like, you know, 16 songs all on one CD. And it'd be a pretty hefty full-length release but we felt like it would be too easy to do that and just put all of that content out there and just tell the whole story you know all in one release because then you could listen through the whole story in like about an hour and then it would be done you know that that could be years of you know experiences and, and turmoil and personal growth that you just you know swept through in an hour. So we wanted to separate it and let each part sit on its own, but also complement the next part. That's why we separated it into EPs. That's why I released the dark one to help connect with people that feel those ways that are in that place and just let them wrestle with that. So when the next part comes out, hopefully they can better connect to it. And, you know, maybe they'll be more so in that place when that story comes out.
0: What type of a time frame are you looking at for the release of the next two segments?
1: Well, the only time frame that we have announced so far is we're going to do all three EPs during this year. As far as specific dates go, we haven't uh, said anything about that yet.
0: Well, this talk about your faith also brings up something else. Do you guys think that there's a certain place in time where an artist should be sharing their faith in public?
1: I I believe it it is um necessary depending on the situation. I don't think you should force things to happen. I don't think you should like force subject matter on people. I think you have to let the person be, you know, open and willing to hear it before you open your mouth and dive into it or else it won't be received and, you know, reciprocated. If you try to Force it on people. I don't believe it would be fruitful. I believe that's what creates uh, bitterness towards you know mainstream religion and you know big mega churches and all of that. Um, I think the most important thing is to put person in front of you at the top of your priorities in just talking to them and learning about who they are and you know valuing them being in front of you and valuing the time that you get to spend with them and not have an agenda for it, or trying to get a checklist done, or get your objectives, you know, pushed through. I think that's completely the wrong way to go about doing anything.
0: I suppose it depends on the artist, because I remember speaking with Matty Montgomery years ago, from 4 Today about this. From stage, he has a very pronounced faith aspect that he will share with a crowd. In others, it's more subtle. That they will bring it in through the back door.
1: Oh yeah, um, I mean I've seen Fort today perform two or three times, and I've you know seen him you know preach from stage, and I've seen people receive it positively, and I've seen people receive it negatively, and that's that's between you know him and his own heart and with God. I don't really feel like I have a, a right to say whether it's right or wrong. I mean, if he felt like he should do it. It seems like he does it every show, so it seems like it's scheduled. But if that's something that he feels like he needs to do, then by all means, he sh- should do it.
0: But that's never going to be the intention of the grandfather. That's not your focus of your music.
1: No, we when we play, we we go up on stage and we play songs back to back to back until we get off stage. We don't talk. I mean, we say hi We might spend two minutes talking in a 25, 30 minute set.
0: Well, maybe I should put you on the spot here, Corey. When the members of the Grandfather are actually grandfathers, how do you want your music to be remembered? (laughs) I
1: I don't know if I could speak for everybody. Everyone's answer in the band would probably be different. Uh, For me personally, I would like it to be remembered as being authentic. I feel like it's really important to be honest especially in the day and age that we live in now. Uh, I think it's really important to try to be more mindful and intentional with connecting with people and not pushing people aside. With that being said, we try to use music as a means to connect with people and you know to meet people where they're at so we can be friends with them and get to know them and You know, in this great journey of life that we all have to experience.
0: Do you ever think that music could be sort of an abstract format to make a connection with people? Or do you think it's the opposite way around and it's quite personal?
1: Um, I think it could go both ways. I could definitely see how it could be an abstract way of connecting with people. But for me personally, I would say personal uh, because music has definitely been... Uh, a big part of my life and uh, who I am today uh, because it connected with me personally. So I would say that, yeah, it would be personal connection where you kind of listen to somebody's music and you feel like you're, you know, right there with them, you know, emotionally and mentally and makes you feel like somebody understands you and doesn't, you know, doesn't make you feel like you're alone in the situation that you're in and it brings that, um, relatability into your
0: life. You mentioned earlier that the band creates as a group. How was it that you each were able to share your own thoughts into each of the songs? That's another good question.
1: <laughs> the way this writing process took place was, uh, it was a bit uh, different from the 1222 uh, writing process. Uh, Whereas 1222 was, you know, written in this apartment where we were all present during all of the parts of the process. When we moved up here and separated ourselves from basically everything, we started writing these songs. We didn't really know how it was going to turn out, uh, but we were really focusing on bringing out our own sound so we didn't really take much from outside influences due to moving out here and you know out in the middle of the woods, basically.
0: And that's why you have bad so internet.
1: We, yeah, that's why we have bad internet. <laughs> <It's> terrible. <laughs> but once uh, we got settled in and uh, got comfortable, started pumping out songs. Like I said, we spent it was about eight months, uh, six to eight months writing. And it would start off with uh, one of the guitarists uh, sitting down, starting to structure a song. And then the other guitarists would come and follow behind. And they would start, you know, pumping out the song together. And then I would come in after they had uh, finished the song. I would usually sit down with one of the guitarists when they were writing. Um, So the guitarists usually didn't sit down together. They usually like to start the song off, you know, themselves, uh, just to get the ideas flowing and get the structure started of the song, and then the other guitarist would hop in, and then they would start piecing it together until they they put the structure together, and usually I would try to help with the the guitar structure, and then once it was done, I would come in and put bass underneath it, and then we'd have the vocalist put his vocals on it, but we were, we took turns rotating between being present. Like usually, me or Dylan, the vocalist, would be present when one of the guitarists was starting off the song and getting the structure going, and we'd add our own input to like maybe change a little thing here or change a little thing there or swap this part with that part, you know to kind of make it flow better mm-hmm. and help help the expression of the song because it's always good to have another set of ears there with you. So there'd always be two people you know sitting there in the room when uh, writing was happening.
0: Which was coming first then, the lyrics, or was it the music?
1: It was definitely the music. The record is guitar-driven. It started with guitars. It's definitely a guitar-driven writing process, and once the song is structured, uh, the vocalist, Dylan, will start listening to it, getting familiar with it, and then putting the ceiling of the song into, into words and then he'd usually get something started from listening to the song and then he'd go off and then he would add on to the song in a different place, you know, not listening to the song and just have like what he wrote in front of him and add on to it. And then he'll bring it back, listen to the song and see how well, you know, the rest of what he wrote applies, you know, he'll go back and forth between doing those two things.
0: What the grandfather's developing is a whole package of the three EPs. Was it hard to transition between, say, the dark tones and whatever the tones are going to be for the additional EPs? Uh,
1: it, it would have been hard to transition them, but we already had uh, some songs in place that came about through the writing process that worked uh, perfectly to transition the story and the sections and to help them flow together pretty seamlessly, actually.
0: Wow, and I would have thought that would have been so tough to do because you're changing it, both the tonality of the music itself and the lyric content.
1: Yeah, I don't want to give too much away. It, it ended up working out really well to where the song helped transition the tonality from each part, which also allowed the, the subject matter to transition with it as well. It kind of just pulled them, you know, in that direction together. I don't know if you uh, noticed this, but we each had guest vocal parts on each of the EPs, the EP out now and
0: the following ones to come. It does mean that the band really is well-rounded. If you guys are able to do that, because so many bands, the bass player doesn't sing. He's just there to play bass, so that's cool that you're able to do it that mm-hmm. way.
1: yeah we uh, on top of you know the instrumentals, we want to be able to give everybody a a voice in the parts and it also brings about uh, diversity uh to the lyrics as well as the tonality of the vocals on the songs
0: and it makes your sound guy at a live event really upset because he's got so much to deal with. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, we usually we usually just work off of two uh, microphones and we just share.
0: <laughs> cool. Corey, thanks so much for coming to The Antidote for a talk about the grandfather. This was really cool.
1: Yeah, I really enjoyed this, Dave. Thank you for the opportunity.